Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Whether you are tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen live via the live stream on ESPNTucson.com, we do appreciate you tuning in. I know that you have a choice of uh, where you lend your ears in the morning for your sports information and entertainment. We do appreciate you choosing Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We also uh, are podcasting every day's show. You can find that. You can go to ESPNTucson.com. You can find the links there, or you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, Audible, Apple, uh, Amazon. Uh, they got all three A's, right? Uh, <laughs> Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere you can get your podcast. you can find us, The Jeff Dean Show, every weekday here from 7 to 9 on ESPN Tucson. NFL news and notes from, you know, just gathering some things here as we get ready for week number three. Preseason week number three is already here. Like, I'm, it starts Friday. I'm so, I, it's like it, everything is going so fast right now. It's amazing. I was talking with, with a buddy yesterday, and he's like, uh, he's like, you realize that on Wednesday we're five weeks away from, or we're two months away from Thanksgiving. Like, it just seemed like we just had Valentine's Day yesterday. <laughs> just cruising right by, which is a good thing because, God, get us the hell out of 2020 and 2021. I can't wait to see what 2022 has in store for us. Hopefully something better that we've experienced the last year and a half, two years. There's a (laughs) – it's a weird story, and I don't know if there's something fishy going on. I'm not exactly sure. There's something weird with this New England Patriots, Cam Newton uh, story about the misunderstanding and the, the, the COVID test. Um, and the the fact that he's in COVID protocol for five days, it's a weird situation. Everyone in the NFL, look, everyone is very well read on what you're supposed to do, the protocols for COVID testing rules, especially for unvaccinated players, because that's one of the big, one of the big bugaboos, one of the big sticking points of this NFL season is, how are unvaccinated players going to be treated as opposed to vaccinated players? Well, Cam Newton is one of those non-vaccinated players, okay? And he's going to be away from the team for five days because of a misunderstanding about tests that were conducted away from an NFL facility. Everyone knows and everyone has agreed that they have to go to these approved NFL facilities to get tested. Well, apparently there was a misunderstanding, and the, the Patriots aren't saying anything else, and we would expect it out of the Patriots because they – they keep everything super secret. It's locked up tight. That there was a misunderstanding about Cam Newton and where he got his test. Now, he had traveled on the day after their most recent preseason game. He had traveled to a team-approved appointment that required him to leave the New England area. Now, he's not allowed to leave, okay, during bye weeks and things like that. According to the non-vaccinated stipulations, He's not allowed to leave like the team area. He's basically on like house arrest because he's not getting vaccinated, okay? So he went somewhere that was team approved. He received daily COVID-19 tests, which all turned out negative. However, he is still subject to the five-day entry cadence process before returning to the Patriots facility. Now, of course, he's in the middle of a quarterback battle with Mac Jones. I think that that quarterback battle was at least 
up until Friday that that quarterback battle was not a was not a competition at all, that it was Cam Newton's job and that Mac Jones was going to be the backup because Bill Belichick would never, ever in his life start a rookie quarterback. He just you – know, that's just not what he does. He carves up rookie quarterbacks and eats them for breakfast. He does not throw them out there to lead his offense out of the field. However, <laughs> yesterday he kind of changed his tune a little bit. And things are getting a little fishy with this whole situation with Cam Newton. So Mac Jones played well in the preseason game. Okay, he played extremely well. He uh, he, he went. They went empty set a couple times. He performed well in empty set in that game. They gave him a shot in a second half no huddle drive, uh, where he went five for five, fifty four yards, and New England ended up scoring a, a field goal on that drive. Okay, so he has played well. Now, this whole misunderstanding thing, it, it sounds like it, somebody's lying, okay? So either New England s- screwed up, okay, they let him leave town, they screwed up, they screwed up the protocol, and which would be very uncharacteristic of Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, right? I mean, we, they're the most buttoned-up team in the league, it seems, at most times. So the, the chance of them slipping up and be like, yeah, go ahead. Oops, we forgot. He's a non-vaccinated player. He can't leave the facility. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Or they're essentially falling on the sword for him, right? They, like Cam screwed up, and the Patriots are like, yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're kind of taking some, you know, some onus on that ourselves. Well, what? I, I just... I think this has all got to be wearing very, very thin on Belichick's patience. He doesn't have time for this. He's a no-nonsense guy anyways, and he has got to be rankled by this whole situation, this misunderstanding. Now, if the Patriots were not the ones at fault in this particular situation, um, it's certainly not beyond the realm of thought that New England – maybe thinking about, you know, playing Mac Jones as opposed to playing Cam Newton. So this isn't over. And, again, there's something – there's just something weird about this. I don't know if if there was an agreeable split, like for for Cam Newton to leave, or if he just said, I'm leaving, you can't stop me, this is a free country, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And this is all – this all could be a very big problem. For New England, if Cam Newton and his quote-unquote misunderstanding or what we what we may end up finding out was just a direct disobedience of the rules, if that causes New England to start a rookie quarterback, things are not going to go well for Cam Newton in his time there in New England. So keep an eye on that. This, this story is not over. There's something else going on here, and I'm not exactly sure what it is, but something stinks. And I think either somebody's lying, somebody's covering up something, somebody's falling on the sword. New England's holding the bag right now. And it was announced, you know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, well, maybe it wasn't announced. I know that I know that Mac Jones is running with the ones right now. I know that he's getting reps with the ones. And they do have a uh, – they have joint practice this week with the New York Giants, which are huge for teams. They're using these joint practices – as I predicted three years ago, joint practices would be the new hotness in the NFL and the most important thing for coaches. These joint practices with the New York Giants are going to be huge 
for Mac Jones and his, uh, you know, progression and the assessment by his coaches on his ability to come in and step in and play in week number one. So this isn't over. Keep an eye on that. In other COVID news and what could be a precursor to what we see for this NFL season, this entire NFL season, a, a foreshadowing, if you will, the Dallas Cowboys have four players, including C.D. Lamb right now, that are in COVID protocol, as well as their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, who um, was in COVID protocol as of last week. He and another defensive player, uh, they, they, had, they were in COVID protocol. They were sent home. Now, here's the interesting part about this. All five of these, the four players and Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, they're all vaccinated players, vaccinated staff members, players and staff. They're vaccinated. They can't get a negative test. They keep testing positive. So they can't return. Like, they, 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 they keep getting tested, but the problem is, is uh, what, what, are they, um, what are they calling it? Um, they, um, what's, it oh, what's it called? Uh, testing out. Testing, they, they, they can't test out of the protocol. <laughs> they're asymptomatic, okay? They don't have symptoms. They're not sick, but they can't test out of the protocol, so they can't come back to work. <laughs> this is, you know, people have been out for days, you know, now at this point, six, seven days at this point, and they can't test out of the protocol. They're getting tested daily, positive, 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 positive. These are vaccinated players, vaccinated staff. This could be an issue that we see moving forward as Maybe it's a Delta variant or something like that. But all five of these guys, according to the Cowboys, are asymptomatic. They're, they're not showing any symptoms of COVID-19, but they keep getting popped for positives. So they can't return to the team. They're or they, they are vaccinated. So, again, causing problems. Regardless of vaccination or not, COVID is wreaking havoc with the NFL, and it's going to wreak havoc uh, probably in college football as well this year. Well, looking last night at the game, as the New Orleans Saints and the Jacksonville Jaguars squared off, it was an entertaining game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, with some of the catches that were being made in the uh, in the wide receiver department for New, New Orleans, boy, what a what a game! But Jameis Winston, if you didn't already think that Jameis Winston was going to be the starter, and I don't know why you wouldn't, I think it was solidified last night that he's got everything it takes to be the starter in New Orleans, and that Taysom Hill is going to be. The, the change of pace guy. They're going to have some, some – they'll keep some packages in for him when they need to offset the defense. They need to keep the defense guessing, keep them off balance, bring Taysom Hill in, run pass, RPOs, that kind of stuff, okay? But Jameis Winston's going to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, and I think he's going to have a big year, as expected. Jameis Winston has had huge years in the NFL. He threw 5,000 yards two years ago. 5,000 yards in a season. Threw 30 picks that year. But he threw for 5,000 yards. Now, granted, that's in Bruce Arian's system. But here's the interesting thing about this. Something that I, had, that I had seen a few years ago was that Drew Brees' arm strength was, was dwindling. It was dwindling rapidly. Something we thought had happened to Brady like five years ago ended up not being the case. He just had a sore shoulder. But I saw Drew Brees just didn't have the zip on the ball. He was lofting the ball, uh, uh, you know, uh, using his, his – good eye and his accuracy to be able to drop deep balls into into a pocket essentially but they weren't they weren't balls that were thrown more than like 30 yards past the line of scrimmage he was just getting deep balls like 25 yard routes 30 yard routes Jameis Winston completed two passes last night of more than 40 yards okay they were 
40 yards through the air, okay, from, from the release to the time that it was caught by the receiver, more than 40 yards. The New, England, the New Orleans Saints have had two such completions in the last two seasons combined. Combined. Last night, Jameis Winston had two of them his, himself. He is far and away the leader to take this starting job in New Orleans. And if you think differently, you're wrong. Period. End of story. He is the starting quarterback for New Orleans. He showed last night that he deserves to be the quarterback, the starting quarterback. I think everybody should know it by now that he is. And, I, look, I, I don't think unless he was an absolute bust, unless he came in overweight, lethargic, indifferent to wanting to play, you know, just didn't show that fire of wanting to play football. I, that's the one thing that, that always sets Jameis Winston apart. You can tell the guy loves to play football. He loves to compete. He's he's a, a former baseball player, really good baseball player, great pitcher, uh, and he's, he loves to compete in sports. That's that that's that different that edge. Josh Rosen may be technically a better quarterback than Jameis Winston. We'll never know. You know why? Because Josh Rosen hates the game of football. He doesn't like to play. He doesn't care about playing. That's why I said years ago when he was drafted with the Cardinals traded up to draft him number 10 overall, he wasn't even on my draft board. He was an undraftable player, in my opinion, because I went out and I talked to people that know him, that coached him, and said, I wouldn't draft him. He doesn't love the game of football. Okay. Sold. Good enough for me. And yet he keeps getting kicked around team to team, just got cut by the 49ers. And basically the word out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth when talking about Josh Rosen was, is like, we like Josh. He just seemed to not want to be here basically he, he just he just you know he started off started off hot and then just just tailed off dwindled we didn't we didn't we didn't see much of him he didn't win a play so Jameis Winston as flawed as he may be in the passing game trying to drive the ball into windows that he shouldn't be loves the game of football loves to compete and that's the kind of guy you want out there he's got the arm strength He's shown the ability to hit the deep ball with, with good accuracy, at least good enough accuracy. And he's going to be a problem for the NFC South this year. I think, I think the Saints are back. I think Drew Brees was holding them back the last, at least the last year, maybe the last two years. And I think they're back with a vengeance this year. Jameis Winston, uh, if they can get their wide receiver room figured out, they're going to be a problem. That's a good football team. They're an excellent, very, very well-coached football team with Sean Payton and uh, they're going to be able to light it up a little bit. On the other sideline, though, things didn't look so good for the Jacksonville Jaguars, specifically for Urban Meyer, and it's got me thinking. And the first thing, this was the first thing I said to myself when he took this stinking job, and I'm like, he's going to quit midseason because that's what he does. Urban Meyer has shown he's kind of like like the Larry Brown of college football, right? Oh, I've got... I've got some health issues. I need to retire. I, I, I got some health issues. I need to retire. I'm still under contract for another $12 million, and they're going to have to pay me that money. But, oh, my gosh, I have to think of my health and my family first. And then as soon as his contract is, is paid out, he goes and gets another job. <laughs> right? Are we, are we seeing the similarities here? If you know who Larry Brown is and his history in college basketball and pro basketball? Yeah. So when Urban Meyer came out of retirement – to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars job. He was a highly courted uh, head coach, as he should be. He's, a, he's an excellent head coach. He does a great job. He's, he's, a, he's a phenomenal uh, you know, uh, evaluator of talent. He gets great coaches. He's made a lot of great connections in his time in college football. He's well-liked by a lot of people. 
Okay, But in the first thing I said was, I wonder how long it's going to take for him to quit this job. That's literally the first thing I said to my buddy when he took the job because this is not going to be easy. Urban Meyer has had a lot of easy jobs. Now, granted, the job at Florida wasn't too easy because he recruited a bunch of ne'er-do-wells, I mean, people who really just did not, <laughs> were not good people, not good people in the community. We know specifically about one of them was a horrible person, and I don't want to speak ill of uh, of people who have passed on now, and we won't we won't dwell on that. But look, he he didn't he didn't bring in the most savory people in the uh, into that program. But it was easy. Florida's a winner, right? He took what took over the Ohio State job. Ohio State's a winner. Surrounded himself with with great assistant coaches. Handed that off to them. They continue to win. He, he he's had some he's had some real no brainers in his days. This one is not that. This is going to be extremely difficult. This is not walk into the, you know, onto an NFL field with who you think is the best quarterback in the country and win football games. We saw what happened last night. Last night's performance was a disaster. They they couldn't they couldn't stop a three-man rush. New Orleans was was sending three at times and getting through. He Trevor Lawrence had what do you have four passes deflected the line of scrimmage, I think. He's 6-5. Four passes deflected the line of scrimmage. He was sacked two times, knocked down six times more. He was getting crushed out there. And, yes, the numbers looked pretty good. Was he like 10 of 14 for 114 yards on that at a field goal drive? If you watch the game, oh, boy. And then to look at his reaction on the sideline, talking about Urban Meyer, the way he looked, didn't look like he was having a whole lot of fun out there. Didn't look like he really wanted to be there much longer. That's for sure may be regretting coming out of retirement already and taking over that job at Jacksonville. Because, look, it's not, it's not even going to get any easier. Teams are going to tee off on Jacksonville. They're one of the worst teams in the league. They have some talent. Now Travis Etienne is hurt. I don't know. We'll see how long it lasts. I don't think he goes full Bobby Petrino and just leaves the team in the middle of the week of a season. But uh, – uh, this may be his one and only year in the NFL. And look, we've seen it before. It happens to guys, guys who are just easy all-time winners. You know, guys, Spurrier, right? Spurrier, who had a couple stints in the NFL, just realized how difficult being a head coach in the NFL was. He had to just walk onto a field with some talented guys and win football games. He could do that in college. An amazing head coach in college. Won a million games. A lot more difficult at the next level. We've seen a lot of guys try it. Nick Saban, failed. Bobby Petrino won a lot of games in college football, failed. Urban Meyer, it's not an easy job. If you want to stick it through for four or five years and see what happens, then we can we can start to label you whether it was a success or a failure. But, uh, look, we all know this year is going to be a failure. We know it. Look at the team. And things just keep getting worse. And he didn't look like he was having a good time out there. <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't either, but I wouldn't take that job either. So there you go. Check out NFL Cover 2 every weekday covering the latest NFL news. Weekdays on uh, on Spears and Ali. It's brought to you by the Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. When we return, my five teams with the best chance to make the college football playoff for the first time in that team's history. That's coming up next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. 
Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Stay tuned, listening for the uh, cue to call to win those FC Tucson tickets. We still got a pair of soccer tickets to give away sometime before we get out of here in the next 30 minutes or so. So stay tuned for that. But right now, my five teams with the best chance to make the college football playoff for the first time. This is, uh, I'm not going to just go Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. This is their first time getting there. Now, as I mentioned, now those four teams in the possible 28 spots in the field since the inception of the CFP, 20 of those 28 spots have gone to those four teams. Notre Dame uh, went there. So Notre Dame went there last year. It marked the second time that they uh, had been in the playoff. But other than that, the other you know five appearances were by teams making their first and only appearance. So. Who are the teams that are most likely to get there this year? Now, this is in no particular order, although the team I believe that has the best shot at getting there, the best team that has never been there, um, does lead off my list, and I'm talking about Iowa State. The Cyclones in Ames, Iowa, and you never would have thought they'd have been here. My cousin played tackle at, at Iowa State. I listened to their games on radio. Um, that was a team that would win, you know, three ga- lucky to win three games a year. They would fight against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma would come out pretty much listless, and it would be a situation where it was just talent just running over the field of people. And uh, look, it's, It has not been a very good football program, let's be honest about the whole thing. But Matt Campbell has gone in there and turned them into a powerhouse this year. They are going to be extremely good, It's and it's not a fluke. He has built this team the right way. He's built the team on toughness. They are a gritty team. They play good defense, and they return a ton of explosive players this year, including Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, Brees Hall, who's the best, in my opinion, the best tailback in the country. Had 1,500-plus yards last year, a bunch of touchdowns, really, really good football player. They return the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, Mike Rose, who's their, uh, their, uh, their Mike backer, led the conference in tackles. They have a secondary that returns two seniors, okay, including a, a, a spectacular corner. I can't remember the, the kid's name right now. They return uh, a rush edge guy by the name of Will McDonald, who led the entire country in sacks last year. Okay, this is not a this is not some fluke team. In fact, I, if you ask me, I think they they could be rated a spot or two higher in the AP poll. They are that good. It's all going to come down to literally how well the quarterback position plays. Brock Purdy from Phoenix, of course. He's a senior now. He's had a lot of playing time, a lot of starts under his belt. He does make some mistakes from time to time uh, and and has some decision-making issues. But if he shows the maturity that we think that he should have shown uh, over the years of starting and and things like that, he'll be much better, much more prepared to handle the game. And I think they have a legitimate shot at getting into the college football playoff this year. I think they're every bit as good as Oklahoma. They're easily the second-best team in the Big 12, maybe even the best team in the Big 12 this year. And if they can knock off Oklahoma, they got a real good shot at getting there. You can't trip up against Iowa. They haven't been able to beat Iowa over the years. That's always been a problem for them. 
but we'll see. We'll see if they can uh, if they can cash one in this year. And I think they I think they have a real strong chance to do that. My next team that I think has a good chance to get into the CFP for the first time, believe it or not, USC has never been in the playoff. Oregon, Washington have both been there, but USC has not. We know how talented they are this year. We know that the South is going to be loaded. Okay, South is very, very talented, very good. Utah is going to be excellent this year. We know the school from up north is talented. They've got they got dudes all over the field. They got problems off the field, but they got dudes on the field, and that could you know, everything could come into to fruition for them. We know that UCLA has been recruiting at a high level. We know eventually at some point that Chip Kelly is either going to care about his program or just leave and figure out what UCLA is doing. And then you've always got the uh, you know the outliers there with Arizona and Colorado could sneak up and bite somebody. Arizona almost got USC last year in the opener. They got Keaton Slovis, who's a, a an early Heisman favorite, of course. Uh, you know, great playmaker. They've got tons of of, uh, of experience. Um, they've got now the receiving core is young, but the offensive line is stout. They've got a great running game. We know that they've recruited well at USC, and the defense is going to be very, very good as well. So I think USC is another one of those teams that has a good shot to make the college football playoff. Coming out of the Big Ten, a team who has struggled a little bit recently because of offensive inequities, and that's weird because their head coach, Paul Christ, uh, is is an offensive guru, but the Wisconsin Badgers, who went 34-7 and in the first three seasons under Paul Christ, have now just gone 23 and 12 in the previous in the, in the most previous 3 years and the problem has been with offense. I think they get that back this year. They've had a lot of inconsistency at quarterback. Now they bring in Graham Metz um or uh, Mertz, I'm sorry, Graham Mertz. He comes uh, he comes in this year um to start for the team. He, you know, he arrived 2 years ago obviously and was handed the, the team uh, essentially last year and is the the heir apparent this year. We know that they were wrought with injury, especially at the at the receiver uh, the receiver level, the receiver room last year. Those guys are going to be back and healthy. Wisconsin always puts a good offensive line out there, can always run the football, and their defense is going to be really, really good as well. We're going to see about their schedule. Um, it could it could play in their favor. It could backfire on them, but I think Wisconsin is one of those teams that has a good shot to make the CFP or uh, one of the top five teams to make it for the first time. Cincinnati. Cincinnati uh, is an interesting team. They're a team that's going to score a ton of points. Okay, We saw that last year. scored 38 points a game last year. Explosive offense. We know how good they can be. We know that they're not going to be really supremely tested in the conference that they play in. Now, no group of five team has ever made the playoff. They could be the first group of five team to ever make the CFP. And if, if, if that's going to happen, I think it would be this year. Desmond Ritter returns a quarterback, great quarterback. Um, they're going to score a million points this year. And defensively, they're also going to be very good. They were a really good defensive team last year, and I think they're going to be another very, very good defensive team this year. I think Cincinnati has an excellent shot at being the first group of five team to ever make it. And my long shot, my dark horse CFP, and now this is these aren't picks to make the CFP. I don't think these teams, I'm not necessarily saying these teams are going to make it. I think these are the five teams with the best chance to make it for the first time. Now, my long shot and I've talked about this team a little bit, and I really like how their schedule plays out. I love their team. Ole Miss. Now, hear me out. I know they're not even ranked in the top 25, and it would be a huge undertaking for them to climb all the way out of the, the nondescript seller of the, the other 105 teams in college football not in the top 25 at the beginning of the year. 
but they got the best quarterback in the SEC in Matt Corral. They returned the most experienced team in the SEC by far, by far the most experienced. And not just returning players, I'm talking about starts made. They are leagues and leagues above any other team in the SEC. They have the nation's 34-ranked schedule, so it's not too tough as to consider them underdogs in three or four of the games, and they would have to make huge upsets to get there. But it's good enough to be considered not a joke, right? They get a top 35 schedule. They're, they're all winnable games, essentially, if they can get Alabama this year. Remember, they were tied 42-42 with Alabama with six minutes to go in that game last year with a first-year head coach, well, first time there, Lane Kiffin. And they've got an improving defense. They'll have to because they, they gave up a million points last year. They couldn't stop a nosebleed last year. So they, they had to improve their defense. It couldn't get much worse. But that's my, that's my dark horse long shot for a team to make the CFP for the very first time in that team's history. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Arizona is about to get even hotter, ladies and gentlemen, because FanDuel Daily Fantasy Sports and FanDuel Sportsbook are coming soon. FanDuel's Daily Fantasy Contest begins this Saturday. You can compete in fantasy sports such as NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, soccer, college football, college basketball, golf, tennis, WNBA, NASCAR, as my buddies in Tennessee do. Uh, they love their Bristol race down there in Tennessee, and they, they play uh, daily fantasy with the NHL or weekly fantasy, fantasy with the NHL all the time. Uh, you can go head-to-head against thousands of fans of every major U.S. sport with a shot at real cash prizes. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is also coming soon. As we mentioned, September 9th, it goes live here in the state of Arizona. they got the best betting lines. You'll be able to find tons of promotions if you're new or if you're an existing customer throughout. Fast payouts and a safe, secure, easy-to-use app. For more information, you can go to FanDuel.com slash Arizona. Go to FanDuel.com slash Arizona. You can download the app, and you can start to, like, pre-register, basically. Even though it hasn't gone live yet, you can pre-register. And the day that it does go live, they will, you know, allow you access, and you can start, hit the ground running, and, uh, and start having fun on the FanDuel app. There's a ton of ways to win, and a lot of different fun games that we're going to be talking about here on the Jeff Teach. I can't wait. Like, I can't wait to get my, to sink my teeth into this and start having some fun with some of these, because you've heard about them for years. There have been other... Other places, especially, of course, in Nevada, where they allow these types of things. But uh, other states have had this in, in effect for quite some time. My buddies talk about it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Just hang on. <laughs> we got to wait. Got to wait for legislation to cut through. Age and location restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. The bonus issued in non-withdrawable site credit that expires seven days after receipt. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. We'll be right back after this. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Here we are, back to the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, gearing you up for the college football season, the NFL season. We'll get you geared up for NBA coming up in just a little bit, as well as the NBA season going to tip off. In the uh, the month of October, we got the Major League Baseball pennant race getting ready to uh, get real down to the nitty-gritty. Talked about some of the standings yesterday, and teams are moving up, teams are moving down. And uh, we'll continue to get you all the information that you need for that. But right now, we're going to give away that second pair of tickets that we have to go see FC Tucson this Saturday night. Taking on the Greenville Triumph, or Greenville Triumph. That's this Saturday night, 7 p.m. at Kino Northgate's open at 6 be caller number two 
at 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Caller number two going to win themselves a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson in action this Saturday night. Good luck and enjoy the game. Some more news out of the NFL in regards to what's happening in Indianapolis. Now, I was banging the drum for Frank Reich and for the Indianapolis Colts to go out and make a trade for Nick Foles. Partially, and I I will admit, uh, maybe even more than partially, maybe even uh, the majority of the reason being because I'm a huge Nick Foles fan. He is just genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. He's also a wildcat, and I want to see him I want to see him perform. I want to see him thrive. I want to see him do well. The Colts, however, though, released. There was some video yesterday from camp, and Carson Wentz was at practice, and he was doing some drills. Now, he wasn't doing anything with the team. He was just in, you know, T-shirts and shorts, but he was doing some cone drills and things like that. He was doing some footwork, moving through some agility drills, okay? Um, in, In no way, sense, or form does this mean he's ready to get under center in an NFL game. However... There is some optimism that he could be ready for week one of the regular season when that uh, when you know when when week one kicks off or you know the, the Colts are going to play uh, they play when everybody else does on September twelfth in their uh, in their first game so it's still you know a couple weeks away but nonetheless uh, th- there's there's it's possibly good news for uh, for Indianapolis and even if he only misses one week then you know maybe that's an earlier return than expected uh, Quentin Nelson. They're they're all pro guard and and who I he gets my vote for best offensive lineman in the NFL period end of story he's one of the best players in the NFL period um, he had the same ended up getting the same injury the day after Carson Wentz did he went to surgery he was back at practice yesterday as well so if they can get both of those guys back before the timeline uh, ends that's going to be huge for Indianapolis it's, it's a legitimate football team they got a great defense they've got some they've They've had some offensive issues. They just needed some more consistency. And I don't, again, I don't know if Carson Wentz is that consistency that they've needed. We know that he has great talent. Will he ever return to what we saw in 2017-2018 area? I don't know because he's been injured a lot and hasn't played a whole lot of bas- uh, football games since then. He's, he's missed a lot of games in that time. But we know he's got talent. We know he's you know, got athleticism he's got size he's got power he's got strength he can drive the football he's got good vision he's a pretty good decision maker but again the best ability is availability and if you're not available to your team you're not doing them any good so we'll we'll continue to to keep an eye on that um and everything else now tonight once again hard knocks is going to be on hbo following the dallas cowboys i hope (laughs) i mean i i really hope that this doesn't continue to be the most boring season of hard knocks ever because so far it has been. It's been a real snooze fest so far. So hopefully uh, it is uh, It is not that way tonight. Hopefully they, they ramp it up a little bit. It's just been really boring, to be honest with you. And, look, there's, there's not a whole lot of good news coming out of uh, Dallas regarding Dak Prescott. The shoulder is still sore. He was throwing the football in uh, in practice, but he wasn't throwing any deep balls. They were all just, you know, rhythm, timing routes, short routes, things like that, just quick swing routes, things like that. It wasn't There wasn't anything where he was driving the football deep, and he didn't have extended time throwing the football. It was just short bursts here and there. I don't know, man. 
I don't know. Things could be unraveling really quick in, in, in Dallas. And, God, what do you do? I mean, this, this was going to be Dallas's year, right? They, they've, they've geared up for this year. Everything was, was supposed to fall into place for them. Dak was going to come back healthy. They got a healthy Zeke. They've got a renewed freshness at wide receiver. Amari Cooper is going to come back healthy. They got Mike McCarthy in his second year able to implement his system. Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator guru, going to be calling defensive plays. He's been out because of COVID now. Things are starting to unravel a little bit in Dallas. And again, I wasn't so sure they were going to win that division anyways. <laughs> so, look, Washington, the way they play defense, and as bad as, I mean, really, let's call it like it is, it's been a bad offseason for the New York Giants. They just haven't looked good. Daniel Jones hasn't looked good. The offensive line has looked awful. The defense hasn't been that great. It's not been a good offseason for the New York Giants either. And we all know that Philadelphia is going to stink. But, my goodness, <laughs> does anybody want to win this division? And I know the Dallas Cowboys want to win. It's not saying that they, they're trying not to. But, good Lord, you got Dak with a sore shoulder. He's not, he's not practicing. It's something that they say could linger throughout the season. You've got, uh, you know, coaches. and I, I don't know. I just – things could get sour real quick there in Dallas, and I don't know what they would do at that point. I mean, you know, if, if they have an embarrassing season or, you know – what would an embarrassing season be? Would it be eight and nine? I, I guess you know the seventeen. It's going to throw me off all year. Like when I'm when I'm talking, when I'm doing the radio show, I'm doing math, and I'm look. I just I just talk. I just I put my ideas on paper. I have an idea of everything that I want to talk about, and then I just go. I just I just blurt it out. I just I just talk. I speak. I don't have stories printed out. I don't keep really detailed notes. I just have talking points. Like here's, I talk about this. Talk about this. And it's just a gathered information. I just speak. So when I'm sp- sitting here speaking, for the last 18 years that I've been doing this, okay, you do math in your head, and you're like, okay, if, if, if 9 and 7 is good or if 8 and 8 is good, now I have to change all that math. i got to do 17. It's such a weird number. It's making me crazy. It's like the NFL keeps screwing with stuff, like when they went from the San Diego Chargers to the Los Angeles Chargers. I, I still call them the San Diego Chargers. I still do, two years, three years later. Messing with me. So what do the Cowboys do? If it's an 8-9 and nine season, do they blow it up? That's it? We're done? Blow everything up. Either trade Zeke or give him his outright release in the offseason. Blow up the coaching staff. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of people that don't like Mike McCarthy. Packers fans don't like him, and Cowboys fans are starting to not like him. So we'll see. As I mentioned, NFL preseason week number three, the final preseason week of this NFL season. It kicks off uh, this Friday, August 27th. The aforementioned Indianapolis Colts traveling to Detroit. The Eagles going to be taking on the Jets. The Steelers in Carolina and Minnesota at KC. Those are the games for Friday night. We'll talk about some of the other games over the weekend, the Saturday and Sunday games as well. The uh, Cardinals are traveling to New Orleans to take on Jameis and the uh, and the Saints. Now, we know that week pre, preseason week number three previously was the, was the week when all the starters would play. You would see them sometimes go into the second half. Those days are over. That's not happening ever again. Now preseason week number three is going to be the guys 54 through 80, right? Teams have to cut down. First of all, teams have to cut down to 80 today. 
the the roster has to be at 80 by 1 o'clock Eastern time today. So the roster is going to be 80 dudes going into preseason week number three. The dudes we're going to see play this weekend are dudes 54 through 80, right? Those are the guys. One through 53, I think most, most teams have a pretty good idea who those guys are. Or one through, one through 45. They know who those They know the guy they're going to dress on Sundays. We're going to see 46 through 80 this weekend. So when Matt Nagy, head coach of the Chicago Bears, announced earlier today that Justin Fields is going to be the starter for week three of the preseason. Sorry, I didn't mean to leave you guys hanging out there, Bears fans. Yes, Matt Nagy announced that Justin Fields will indeed be the starter for preseason week number three. That tells you everything you need to know about who the starting quarterback in week number one is going to be in the regular season. It's going to be Andy Dalton. And as Andy Dalton would say, it's my time. Like the Goonies. It's our time. Down here, it's our time. It's Andy Dalton time in Chicago. See how long that lasts. Justin Fields came down to earth a little bit, though, didn't he, against the Bills? Got his head knocked off. Just completely just taken clean off. That was a good hit. A good stick. So, again, nothing to be really excited about for preseason week number three other than the fact that it is the final season or the final week of the preseason. Congratulations to Harold Owls. Harold was the winner of our second pair of FC Tucson tickets. Harold, thank you very much for that. We appreciate you listening. Congratulations on your win, and enjoy the soccer match on the pitch this Saturday night. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thank you all for uh, tuning in to Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. This afternoon, from 3 to 6, Spears and Ali. They got you covered on your afternoon drive and uh, having some fun, as they always do, goofing off. And, uh, you know, it's fun. I listen to the show, and uh, there are times where I'm like, man, I wish, I wish I could just goof off as much as they do. I'm more about, like, it, like business time. Like, it's business time, right? <laughs> I get down to business. They goof off a lot. I like to goof off, too, but I just I only have two hours, so I have to get down to it. Otherwise, it, Because here's the thing. If I don't get out everything that I want to get out during a, during a show, then I'm upset. Like, if I leave stuff on the table, I'm like, man, I didn't get to that. I really want to talk about that. And then by tomorrow, it's, like, gone. Like, it's, it's – it, I don't eat leftovers – like, I'm one of those guys that doesn't eat leftovers, and I don't talk about leftovers on the air. Like, if it's, if it's old news, if it's, if it's been out longer than a day, I probably won't talk about it too much. I may hit on it, especially if it's going to be something that's ongoing. Like, like cold steak. Cold steak is fine. You can, you, can, you can do cold steak leftovers all week. Like, there's all kinds of things you can do with it, right? You can cut it up. You can put it in tacos. You can reheat it. You can just eat it cold. Just, like, just grab it and just be a, a, a barbarian. Just grab it with your bare hands and start eating it, tearing it away. Just that cold steak for breakfast. It's delicious. Cut it up, put it in your eggs, whatever you want to do. It's kind of like cold steak. But everything else, I'm like, eh, I don't eat leftovers, so I don't really talk about leftovers on the show either. But I will talk about this for a moment. If you haven't seen this yet you, and you just, you just want something to read where you, you read an article and you're just like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, what? 
It's the story of Ray Caldwell. Who? Ray Caldwell, slim, as they called him back in the day, was a Major League Baseball pitcher back in the early, ni- early 20th century. Ray Caldwell had been traded from the Red Sox to Cleveland because you know, he was a highly touted uh, young, ball, young ball player in Boston, but uh, d- things didn't pan out well for him there, so the right-hander took his, uh, took his business to Cleveland. Took the mound one day for Cleveland, and uh, it was a big game. He got a, got a standing ovation from the 20,000 people in the stands. Slim took the mound, and a storm began to roll in. Clouds started to amass over the skies above the stadium in Cleveland, the ballpark stadium, uh, and a storm started to roll in. And at that point, a flash from the sky occurred, and the shortstop felt something you know, like electricity. Ray Chapman felt some electricity up his leg. The catcher, Steve O'Neill, threw his mask because of it. it was metal. He didn't want it to be a conductor for the electricity. And there on the mound lied Ray Caldwell, potentially struck dead from lightning, only to revive his career later. Absolutely amazing story. Man gets struck by lightning and continues to play baseball. Not later in in his life. Later that day. (laughs) Check it out. It's on ESPN.com. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Marion Valdez behind the glass for pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air here. Thanks to Bill Stone and Harold O's. Congratulations to our winners of those FC Tucson tickets. We'll see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. right here on the Jeff Dean Show. 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio. The soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. KMXC HD4 Tucson.